I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. Joining me today, I have AJ Jones. They are a trail runner based out of Albuquerque. They recently completed the Oregon Cascades 100 in 31 hours and 30 minutes, and really happy to have you on. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question is, how did you get into running? Well, I did track in high school um, and I did sprinting in high school and javelin um, and I didn't really like love running very much. It wasn't until I think I was 21 and a friend asked me to do a uh, 10K with them and I was like, doesn't really sound fun, but it was a way to just like hang out regularly a couple times a week and run together. Uh, so I said, okay. And we, we trained for that race and I just loved it. Like once I was actually into the training and did the event, um, I was really into it. And so from then on, it just continued. And I was going through a hard time that I've mentioned before, um, in other, uh, in another podcast and, and feed. Um, and, uh, it was just a great outlet mentally as well. Um, very healing. And so I just stuck with it and been running ever since. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. You know, the people who talk about getting into running and not being runners or not being distance runners, you know, being, sprinters or in in other sports in high school and then they find their way to it and it is there's just something about it like you said like it can be so meditative healing like just allow you that space to to be you and think yeah absolutely i i often say it's meditative you know that sound of your feet just that rhythm, you can just concentrate on that, or you can, you know, see how many different bird sounds you hear while you're running, that sort of thing. Or if you want to completely check out, you can listen to a podcast or music for the day. Um, if you've, you know, had a hard day and you need that like mental space. So yeah, it's, it's really healing and it's helpful in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. It is interesting. I do. I do like to run with some music or, or podcasting a decent amount of time. And doesn't matter what I'm listening to. As much as I like it, as much as I'm into it, my mind still goes anyway. I like. I disassociate from what's what I'm listening to to whatever chatter is in my head. Anyway. <laughs> huh? Yeah. I don't find that happens to me as much. I'm able to concentrate on conversations, but music that definitely happens. Music doesn't keep my mind as occupied as a listening to a conversation. <laughs> and I can see that for sure. Uh, how did you bridge that gap? How did you go from, I'm going to do a 10 K with my friend to <laughs> now you're at a, a hundred miler. And I, obviously there's been some time in between that, but how, where, where did that even come into your head? Like, I think I want to, 
head for this. Yeah, quite a bit of time, in fact. I'm turning 40 this year. Oh, wow. um, yeah, just snuck right up on me. Here's 40. Um, so I slowly over the years have done longer and longer races. I didn't do, let's see, I think it was the most I did was maybe a half marathon um, until maybe 20... Uh, let's see, tw 2007 or eight, I want to say, is when I did my first marathon. Um, I did a trail marathon in Portland, and uh, I just loved that I could run that long on a trail in the middle of Portland. And I could hear traffic from a freeway nearby, but you couldn't see any traffic. And um, I trained on the Bosque here in Albuquerque for that marathon even. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm used to like trail running here while training, but to do an actual event that, you know, never touched a road or a paved surface was really fun. And, um, and I did a few more trail marathons after that and lots and lots of half um, marathons. But uh, last year, I decided uh, after I worked um, at a place that was a pretty toxic environment and um, it was really, really hard on my mental health and it was stressful. And I found in those four years that I worked there that my stress level was so high that I wasn't able to incorporate good stress like running into my life. And I just desperately missed running. And so um, after that job ended, I, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm going to get back into running. But not only that, I want to get back into running in a big way. I want to finally do an ultra because I had always wanted to. I thought it was amazing that people could run that far. Um, and so I decided to sign up for 50K and just go for it uh, last year. And that was in November. That was the um, uh, Bigfoot, uh, Bosque Bigfoot. And uh, that race was just so much fun because it was in the Bosque where I'm used to running um, trails I know. And uh, I didn't even know I was leading uh, that race for the whole race. I didn't realize I was the first place um, in uh, the female category that I was signed up for. Wow. Um, and then after I finished, someone let me know I came in second. And I realized who had passed me on the very last eight-mile loop. Um probably only like three miles before the finish, oh, wow. but nobody had ever told me that I was leaving. <laughs> so that was a really funny experience for a first 50K. I was just out there having a blast. I, I loved it. I had so much fun and my family came to support me, my my in-laws and uh, my spouse. They were there and my, my spouse crewed for me and they were there at every stop with like, you know, the list I had written out of what to give me and everything. Uh, so that was a really, really fun experience. And 
not only did I sign up for that first ultra because of um, just wanting to like jump back in and have good stress in my life instead of bad stress again, but uh, a few years back we had been trying to uh, start a family and I went through the process of carrying or trying to carry uh, uh, for my spouse actually. And it didn't stick. And we, you know, part of that was the job I was working at the time. And um, I had to be on my feet, like even when I wasn't well. And my boss actually made me even work through my miscarriages while miscarrying. Like that's how bad the place was uh, that I worked at. Um, But after that, you know, I felt like I just wanted to prove to myself that my body could still do hard things. And so um, signing up for an ultra and getting back into running, that was, that was my way to prove to myself that like I was still, like my body was still strong and it could do hard things, even if I couldn't, you know, carry a a kid for us. Right. Wow. That is so. I am so sorry. <laughs> that is, I mean, I, I I really don't know what to say to that other than sorry because I, I know that can be very tough and I mean a lot tough as tough as a hundred miler is. You know that's yeah. that's something you're training for and and expecting to do and and the stresses and mental aspect of having to go through that is very difficult. Yeah, it, it really was. And so a lot of these ultras I've done in the past year have been really healing for me. And, you know, when I first got into running, um, I was healing from losing my uh, son, Christian. And, and so there was kind of like a parallel to that in a way of you know, jumping into the, these ultras and proving to myself that I could do it and, you know, healing from, you know, the pain of not being able to carry again um, and start a family. Um, so that first, you know, 50K I completed last year was was a big milestone for me. Um, you know, it's not too much longer than a marathon, but mentally, you know, since it's called an ultra, it was, you know, really big deal for me. And I think that's great. You know, again, that it was in a place that you were familiar with and able to do that. Um, obviously you had other, other reasons to be doing this, but had you known that you were in first place, do you think you would have fought a little bit harder to keep up? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea. And it was funny because there was volunteers um, that I had gone to school. There was one guy in particular that was volunteering at a you know a key point that you just pass over and over. And he would say, you know, hi, and how are you doing? And you're looking good and all of that stuff, you know, um, as I went by. And we were kind of, I'd slow down and we'd be chatty. <laughs> I just had no idea. <laughs> and I was so surprised that... Uh, he didn't tell me, the race director didn't tell me, nobody let me know. Like my spouse didn't realize they're not a, a runner. Like they'll run with me, but they don't, they're not like really big into races. And if there is a, like a 5k that I can find that has like a non-binary sign up, then they'll, they'll join me for stuff like that. But um, they, they're not, 
going to sign up for a race that doesn't have a non-binary category. So they don't do very many events with me. <laughs> but yeah, so nobody had any clue um, or nobody let me know so that I had a clue. <laughs> wow, that is, that's a little crazy. And it, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's a looped course, right? Yeah, so it's a little over uh, eight miles loop. I think the end race was like a almost a mile extra, um, which is pretty common. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and people had warned me, so I was prepared for that. Uh, I don't mind if I know ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know in your write-up of the 100, you talked about talking to other people who had done 100. And so I'm assuming you did the same for the 50K. But as much as you talk to people, like, so much is individual. So yeah. what did you not know going into the 50K that you kind of found out during and after? Um, so something that happened to me during that first ultra that I wasn't, that didn't happen to me while running um, marathons even, is that rotating pain. I don't know if you've experienced that, but like you're running and you know, your right knee is kind of bothering you and you just run through it. And a few more miles later, your uh, left ankle starts to feel kind of funny. And then a few miles after that, you know, it's your left hamstring. And so the last four miles of that first ultra, it was like that nonstop. And I, I wasn't as mentally prepared for that, I guess. Um, cause I hadn't experienced that in, in past races. And it had been a while since I had completed even a marathon distance. Uh, I just jumped right into, you know, going for it with training. I had a, have had a good base, but, um, I hadn't done any longer races in a few years. That just jumping into it seems like a common theme for a lot of ultra runners. It's just like, oh yeah, I just, I just decided I was going to do it. And so I yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did feel like my training was a little bit stunted, but I actually really liked the training program that I did for that um, better than the training that I did this past year for the 100 and um definitely i'm keeping that in mind for future races like the two different training plan styles um and yeah so i will i will definitely probably tweak my training moving forward that that it would be a little bit more uh like the training i did for my first ultra nice where, where did you find the those trainings I want to say the the training plan I did for my 50K, my first 50K, I found it on like Runner's World or something. And it was actually for a 50 mile, oh. but I just abbreviated it and um, adjusted mileage because I'd done that so many times. I pretty much usually put together my own training plan, um, tweaked off of, off of other things that I find, but I was intimidated to make my own planned completely for an ultra. So I did a little research first um, and stuck more to something someone else had made. And I did the same thing for my 
training for my 100, I found a plan that was for that, that distance, but um, the styles were completely different. I definitely liked the one that I did last year um, way better. This one was more uh, structured, like you always ran this day, you always had this day off, that sort of thing. And the one that I had used for my 50K was really sporadic. And I couldn't tell you the science behind it, but it works. <laughs> so I would have, and my uh, speed work was like never the same. So I had it all written down and I would just go look at it for the day and I wouldn't think ahead on it. And I would see what my workout for the day was and then I would go do it. And there was way too much like knowing exactly what I was going to do for the hundred training. I think um, it wasn't as, it didn't change up days or anything like right. that as much. So that, that predictability wasn't a good fit for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah, funny. And I, loved... I was just going to say, a lot of people really enjoy that. Like, I know every Tuesday I'm going to do this, or I know every Sunday I'm going to be doing this. And so that's so interesting that you kind of liked that uh more unstructured almost yeah yeah i did and i think part of that was the workouts within that unstructured plan um were always different there were workouts that i'd never done before and i think that that worked for my body to try all these new different ways to do a speed workout and i learned a lot from that plan and so I tried to incorporate a couple of those speed workouts here and there, but it wasn't quite as sporadic as <laughs> the the plan. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. Like if you're gonna kind of combine two plans, it seems a lot of times you have to kind of know ahead of time that that's what you're gonna do. Otherwise, it, you end up trying to throw things in that maybe might not be at the right time. At least from what I've noticed working with with different plans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really wanted to switch back, but I didn't like mid training for my 100. Um, just because I was worried about messing up, you know, my training. That makes sense. So did you do any other races between the 50 K and the hundred miler? Yeah, I did <laughs> quite a few. I actually wouldn't be able to list them all off for you. Um, Lots of small ones, too. Um, so let's see. Um, I actually have them all, like, on a on my calendar oh, marked wow. off that I did. So, And not all of them are on here because I didn't plan for all of them. I, like, threw in smaller races as they would come up with sort of fit. So, um, yeah, and back in April, I did the Albuquerque Half Marathon, which was a road marathon, half marathon. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to just, you know, see what a road race was about again since it's been a long time. Um, and I just kind of wanted to see where I was at in comparison to, to when I was younger and I did, like, sprinkle in more road races. And then also in April, I did the Cedro Peak Marathon. Oh, yeah. um, and then in June, I did the 
Flagstaff, Big Pine, Trail Runs, 54K. And I turned that one into a 58K <laughs> by accident because <laughs> I gave myself some bonus miles of doing a little loop twice. Um, I had made friends with a couple of seasoned runners who had done hundred milers before and I was really chatty with them getting advice and, and um, one of them, Deb, uh, hung back and decided to let me and uh, Albert was uh, the other person I was running with go ahead and keep up the pace that we were doing and we just chatted the entire race until probably the last five miles or so. And then he kind of took off on me and, uh, I was, I was keeping it chill that day. So, um, I didn't push it cause I had a 50 miler the next month plan. But, um, since we were chatting so much about getting <laughs> advice for his, you know, hundred miles he's done in the past, uh, we didn't pay close enough attention to turns and added a few miles onto that race. Showed up at an aid station and um, we had gotten to know them there. And they were like, you're not supposed to be here again. We've seen you enough times. <laughs> we realized that, oh, we did some bonus miles. Uh, and then, let's see, the last race that I did... Oh, the one that's not on my training plan was I jumped in on an eight-mile course in Santa Fe. It was a night run, and I can't remember the name of it now, actually. But several local runner friends were doing it, and I said, okay, I need to practice running at night in the dark anyways. I'll jump in and do it, that race. And so I went up to Santa Fe and did that race. I think that was the beginning of July. And then I did the Grand Mesa 50 mile in Grand Mesa, Colorado. And that race, I highly recommend. It was just beautiful. The most beautiful course I've run yet. And epic views, like good climbs. You run past countless lakes and the the crew there is just amazing um it seemed like a good number of runners camped there the whole parking lot was full we all camped together everybody was really chill and quiet um which was really nice since i had the opposite um experience at the arizona race that i did the month before <laughs> And so that race was, uh, the 50 miler was one month before the hundred miler. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's decently close <laughs> for that many miles. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to find one that fit into the plan, but it was, I think it was a week closer than it was supposed to be, but you know, it's hard to find the exact distance at the exact time often that fits within your trail, your training plan. And then, you know, we don't have a ton of races here that are ultras in New Mexico. Like you can find in some States like Washington or, or Oregon. Right. Um, 
So I just kind of had to do a wide search, including Arizona and Colorado, and try to figure out something that would work relatively close to my training plan. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we have such an amazing place to run, but it is, it takes a lot to put on those races and it's, um, yeah. there's, there's not as, as many as I think there could or should be. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. But I know it's a lot of work, so it takes exactly. the right person to start putting on all these events that we would love to have. <laughs> right. Right. Cause I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, so how did you come across the Cascades 100? Like, how did that come onto your radar that that's the one that you were going to do? So um, I think it just popped up in Ultra Sign Up. Um, I like to just look through races <laughs> and see what's out there. And then I feel like not shortly after I found it, I feel like someone I was following, um, I saw a post that they did of doing it the year before, I want to say. And so, like, you know, it came to me multiple times. So then it, like, kind of stuck in my head. And the other thing about that race in particular, particular is that I went to high school near there. Um, I went to high school in Lapine and I didn't have a great experience growing up there um, and going to school there. Um, like, especially being queer, like it was very clear at that high school that it was extremely unsafe to come out or even acknowledge that part about you. And I didn't come out until I was in my early twenties. Um, and I think a, a lot of that actually had to do with the teasing and, uh, the bullying that was like heavily, <laughs> um, there in, in that school. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. It also felt like fitting to run like a big hard race in a place that had been hard on me, um, to go back there and like, you know, conquer this distance, but also like do it in a place that in a way of like reclaiming it is like a, a good place for myself if that yeah. makes any sense absolutely i think that's that's a wonderful reason to to do that kind of take back that like hold over you if, if there's any hold like it's just that yeah <laughs> exactly so that's that's awesome i i saw that it started in, in bend oregon and I, yeah. I used to go to a, a running camp that was um stationed outside of there when I was in high school, um, mm -hmm. States Mountain uh, running camp. And it was, I saw that and it, I got all these little flashback memories because I really enjoyed that, that area running wise. Like it's just, it was yeah. beautiful. It reminded me a lot of, you know, parts of New Mexico. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, going to high school there in central Oregon is what made me decide that I wanted to move somewhere that was a desert to go to college. I liked, I liked the high desert weather. I liked the, like the heat of the summer and the cold of the winter. And so when I was deciding where to go to college, I specifically looked at Arizona and New Mexico, um, having gone to high school in in a high desert area 
And um, I had grown up and lived in Portland most of my life. So it was a completely different, you know, climate. Um, and uh, I was just excited to live somewhere, you know, that had those, the heat in the summer and, and plenty of sunshine, not, not much rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Like when I would go out there and it would just be kind of rainy and it just amazed me. Like, cause I'd always go to Portland first before going down because I had a, a family friend there and yeah. just how green and wet and a different type of green, I guess I should say, cause we do get green here, just different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, nice to, it was just such a different spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the humidity, the humidity up there actually bothers me when I'm running cause I have asthma. Um, and it seems to like bother my asthma for some reason. So I actually run better here at elevation than I do low elevation in the humidity um, in Oregon. So yeah, I wasn't too worried about running the hundred because um, I knew the desert weather there. Um, and I wasn't worried about the heat. I do actually pretty good in the heat here running um, my family's always surprised by it if they go on a run with me and it's like you know 80 degrees out and I'm perfectly fine and they're like what is going on I can't do this I gotta go home you continue on without me <laughs> I won't take them out in the, on my 90 degree runs but I do those too just fine <laughs> I do not <laughs> I'm with them I'm, I'm not a I'm not a heat runner. I, yeah. As soon as this temperature drops, like I, this like, for me, I'm just like, oh, this is so much better. My pace gets better. My mood improves, like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, the thing is like, you're already hot, like running. Your body's already hot. Your muscles are warm. And for whatever reason, that just seems to work for my body just fine. I do, I mean, the longer the run, the less, you know, happy my body is about it but if it's not if it's not more than you know two hours then I do just fine the other thing about running that hundred in bend um to sisters was that I worked one of my very first jobs was with uh youth conservation corps and uh, I did a lot of trail clearing so there was even a section of the trail um near um was it Tomo Creek? I want to say um, that I I could remember from my teen years of working on that trail. So that was also really cool. I did a lot of hiking and camping and hanging out with friends on all those trails and all the lakes around there when I was younger. And uh, we we didn't run up Bachelor, but we kind of ran like over like maybe partway up bachelor and then around it in one section of the trail. And I remember we hosted, um, our prom, I want to say on bachelor one year, I think I was a sophomore and we rode the lifts up, but it was a crazy snowstorm. So there's just a lot of little memories and stuff about running on the trails. Um, that were funny to think about while I was out there running too. 
that's that's really cool. It, it sounds like that kind of helped with. I, I'm sure some of that distraction you need during a a hundred miler, being able to think of some of those positive times you had in that area. Yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, we did need a lot of distractions. They had asked us not to wear headphones um, due to all the mountain bikers, but a lot of the wildlife too that had been seen. And I carried my headphones with me just in case the whole race, but I didn't use them. Um, and yeah, you, you really, it took a lot of like, mental distraction at times, um, for sure. I, I can only imagine. I've never, I haven't even done a, a marathon at this point. So I'm always, I, I love talking to people who have done ultras and because it's just such a, a different thing. Like it sounds so cool. Like I want to do one at some point, but it just that like whole mental, whole body aspect of like, you got to kind of be in tune and, and listen to yourself that it just it's so intriguing yeah. to me yeah so it's um so you you get there you only have one person on your crew i saw yeah so my best friend um decided to be my crew and i had someone that had volunteered to pace with me um but i'd never had a pacer so it wasn't like a like a have to situation and they were traveling so they didn't end up pacing me so it's just my best friend who um she is a registered nurse so that made me feel pretty good <laughs> you know in case something you know bad did happen to me um while i was out there uh, i was in good i was in really good hands um ashley is is her name um and uh, she'd never done anything like that. There's not really like runners in her family that I know of or, you know, runners really in her life that much. Um, but uh, she's got four kids. I feel like she probably crews all the time for other things. So, <laughs> um, yeah, she was just she's just really good. And she's like a caretaker kind of person, too. So um, perfect person to have crew me and you know, um, well, we'll get to it, but there was a, a funny part of the race, um, where she ended up being the very perfect person <laughs> to keep me going, <laughs> um, which is a, a funny little story we'll get to. Yeah, for sure. And, and I was, I was looking back over your, your breakdown of the, of the race, you know, in preparation and talking to you and, and the different things. And, it's yeah there are some definite definite stories that that stuck out um but let's let's start from the beginning like how did it feel standing on that line getting ready to do this this big thing that you had been preparing a, a year for well um i'm not a morning person <laughs> i don't know if you got that from my posts i've i've shared that I've, several races, um, especially when they begin at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. I am not awake. And sometimes I can't, you know, um, get anything down before a race, which I hate, you know, not being able to get, you know, at least 300 calories in um, ahead of the race before taking off because it just gets harder the longer you go to get those calories in. 
But um, yeah, so I was sleepy, <laughs> sleepy, excited, um, still couldn't believe, you know, I'd made it through all the training and was ready. Um, there was also this thing that happened for me because I'd never run 50 miles before my 50 miler too. And it was only a month before. And I felt like I kind of didn't quite get to celebrate that. Um, so I, I, I came to the hundred miler, which was supposed to be the, you know, the big, big, um, finale of my training season. And I already felt like I was kind of good, you know, <laughs> like I ran my 50 miler and it was epic and I had so much fun and, and overall experience was just amazing. So the four weeks that was basically all tapering leading up to the hundred mile, I had this feeling of being like, I, I could go without. <laughs> and there was also um, this thing that happened personally, my, my youngest dog had to have um, uh, CCL surgery, which is basically this equivalent of ACL surgery for humans. So they had to uh, reshape his uh, tibia bone and put a plate to hold it back together until the bone grew back together because they don't replace ACLs for dogs. And so that's why my spouse couldn't come and help crew either. They had to stay home and uh, keep our dog um, on medications and, you know, his mobility exercises and all of that. And um, he, he still can't play or run right now. It's a 16 week recovery. And so keeping him from playing or too many steps or those kinds of things. So um, that was another reason why I only had the one person crew. And so when I was there at the start of the 100, you know, and just, just my bestie Ashley with me, um, I was really kind of just feeling like, okay, here, here we go, <laughs> you know, but like no big excitement or even nervousness. Like I had had it ever, um, races throughout the season. So yeah, it was, it was kind of a funny start for me to, to not have as much of a big buildup and just kind of be at the start line, like sleepy and like excited to just see what happened really. I think sometimes when you have that, like you're just kind of almost let it go because of everything else. Like that's when you tend to do the best because there's that, not that pressure, those expectations or anything. So yeah, that's, probably better that you were able to be in that spot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, I was just ready to go out and have fun. And there had been, you know, so much going on with my dog surgery and traveling up there for it. And I had just started a, a new wonderful job um, the week before as well. So my mind was, was way too busy to be <laughs> too nervous for this race, which, yeah, I agree. It was probably a really good thing. <laughs> Uh, so one of the other things that stuck out to me that I was kind of a little surprised by was you had two different shoes that you used. And so I know like a lot of people will switch out shoes, but it tends to be like, I feel like it tends to be the same shoe. So like if they're going from, uh, 
a hoka, they're going to another hoka or the same one or whatever. And you had two completely different shoes. Was that like a specific plan because of how the trail went or was it just, this is what I have? Yeah, a little bit. So um, the trail was not supposed to be too rough for the first section. Um, the more technical part doesn't come until later in the race. Um, and so, and also at the beginning, um, I thought I wanted something just a little more light as well. Um, I really enjoy the cushion of hokas, but I don't like carrying the weight of that cushion. I didn't want to carry it for a hundred miles too. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's always, you know, kind of an experiment. I've been, I feel like I, that's the biggest experiment of all of this. Uh, ultra running has been shoes for me and just finding the right ones. Um, the hokas that I wore, the speed goats, and I wore them for my 50 mile race. And it was only my third time putting them on, but I could already just tell that um, there was going to be zero issues, that they were going to do wonderful. And uh, the 54K that I had run in Arizona, I had used, um, oh, what are they called? Um, Topo. And I loved those, but they started to give me pressure on my left middle toe and my left foot is like maybe like almost a quarter size bigger than my right which i think is opposite of most people um but uh so that is like where i can tell if like i need to do a half size up for shoes so i did that with my shoes for the hundred just in case and so that was the other thing is the hokas were a half size up um, and I wanted to make sure that I had that roominess at the end of the race in case I had um, any swelling in my feet. Well, that makes sense. Um, and sounds really thought out, actually. It's <laughs> <Which is> good, <laughs> considering how far you had to go. So. Yeah. Um, what What was your your fueling like? What did, What have you learned through, you know, this journey that works well for you? Yeah. So, um, well, I started the year off as a noon ambassador actually. And, um, so I use noon a lot for hydration, but it doesn't have much calories. And so I decided to try, um, well, I like, you know, gels, but mostly they're just a lot of sugar and I don't love having a lot of sugar in my diet. And so I found spring energy um, and the spring energy works really, really well for me. And so by the, by the middle of um, the summer, that's pretty much what I was using all the time. And so then I started using their hydration as well. And their hydration has, um, it's like, apple uh, juice, um, a little bit of vinegar, some ginger, mint. So it has everything in it that like rehydrates you, but it also um, has the ginger and mint in that like helps settle your stomach. So those kind of things with spring energy, just they really, really, really work well for me. And 
the wonderful lucky thing that happened to me was I bought a box of spring energy bars and I won $200 to spend <laughs> on spring. Um, yeah. On the spring website, uh, just before my 50 miler. And so I was able to get most of the fuel that I needed for those races, um, with that win. And then of course I, I, um, that you'd be surprised at how quickly that goes when you're running ultras actually. I, so I had to like, you know, get hydration separately and stuff. So, um, that's what works really well for me. Um, I am gluten-free. I have, uh, Hashimoto's. Um, so I have to avoid gluten and, um, there's a few other things sometimes that will bother my system. So a lot of times aid stations are not friendly for me. So if there's potato chips, I'm pretty good. Um, if there's pickles or pickle juice or watermelon, I go for those things. And so I, but I don't plan on it because you never know when, everything there is going to be like little peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or tortillas with peanut butter or, um, uh, things, just a bunch of stuff that I can't have, which happens at the cascades. So I was really glad I was carrying so much spring energy and that I had, um, some of my favorite foods with, um, Ashley, my crew. Um, so basically I had, um, some drinks that were like high, high calorie. I think they're like 220 in calories ready for me at all the, the crew stops with Ashley. So that if I was kind of falling behind on my fueling, I could just drink that and it would have a lot of calories in it. And then I had, um, uh, things like potato chips and pickles and pickle juice in case the aid stations didn't have those because pickle juice always helps me um, if I start to get headaches or anything like that. And watermelon always goes down really, really easy for me too. So I like to have that around. And then um, uh, in a last minute decision that was really good, I grabbed these uh, gluten-free coffee cake muffins from uh, Trader Joe's and those were like candy. And I had some of those, um, when I'd see Ashley, uh, just to like, it was nice to have something that you could chew. Um, yeah, so that's what I did. And then at one point, um, just before running through the night, I had a pot of instant potatoes and that was pretty much epic. <laughs> that was one of my favorite uh, moments was just sitting there with a whole pot of instant potatoes in my lap and just going to town before heading out for the night. You were not the first person to say that the instant mashed potatoes were a win. <laughs> yeah. That I've talked to cultures. It was nice to have hot, a hot meal too. Um, just to have something hot instead of everything being, you know, lukewarm or, or whatever the air temperature was. <laughs> well, I think, and it's interesting, you know, you talked about carrying, you know, having to carry your own food because of being gluten-free. And so that I was going to ask you because you would, you know, in one of the recaps,
once you talked about how there was like 14 aid stations, but only five were accessible to, to crew. Yeah. So that was another difficult thing in not um, often having things at the aid stations that I could consume is that I really did have to carry everything. Sometimes um, I think the farthest I went was the overnight um, before seeing Ashley again. So I think it was like from 11 at night to like seven in the morning. Um, And of course I wasn't really all that hungry through the night, but the first um, leg was 36 miles without seeing Ashley. Um, So, you know, carrying, basically completing a a 50K without seeing your crew um, is how you start off the race. And so, yeah, those things are hard and you really have to plan carefully if you have any dietary restrictions um, or any like special needs. Yeah, that, that sounds sounds rough. Um, yeah. How was how was that night run? Because there was a story you talked about in there that I thought was pretty amazing. But um, what what was that like? You know, going through the night running. That's always such a intriguing thing as well to me. <laughs> yeah, I was so I had in my training. I had jumped in on that eight mile night race in Santa Fe, and then. Uh, my friend had also gotten up and met me in the in the Sandia foothills for um, at three in the morning um, for another eight mile loop um, in the dark and and so I at least knew how I did in the dark and I was able to like troubleshoot my waist lamp, which I learned in training and happened also at the race that it, it really only lasted a couple of hours when I was supposed to last eight hours. And so having a, a headlamp, um, backup was key for, for my overnight. Um, so I was, well, I had picked up some bear spray because they had warned a lot about the wildlife. So I had picked up some bear spray, like hot off the plane in Eugene before we um, drove over the Cascades to the race. And uh, when I headed out after that, those, you know, distracting mashed potatoes, I did not put my bear spray on um, for the night. And I realized it a couple miles out. And so that right there um, made me um, a little weary in the night. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you just don't think about it. <laughs> like, there's nothing that can be done. So don't dwell on it. Don't think about it. You know, um, uh, don't, you know, don't get yourself more worked up than, <laughs> than you know, is, is warranted and, and until you, you know, are met with the situation. But um, so because of that, also, I decided just to make sure that, you know, I was near another runner. Um, so I made sure there was like a, a headlamp. Um, either behind me or in front of me for pretty much almost the whole night, not until, you know, the dawn broke um, on the horizon did I uh, go ahead and let go of, like, hanging out with uh, another runner through the night. And so um, the, the, the nighttime was interesting for me um in that usually that's when you get hallucinations but i didn't get any hallucinations until actually 
the sun was up and had been up for a little bit and then those started. Um, but knowing that it helps to just really, really focus on the trail right in front of you and not to look off to the sides, um, or around you. Um, and so I did that as well. Like I made sure to keep it, you know, tunnel vision, um, and not look around for the night also. Um, and what else happened in the night? Um, so in keeping up with other runners, um, searching for headlamps one after the other <laughs> in the dark, I came across a few people and they had a pacer with them and the pacer started this conversation about, um, like, uh, things happening to runners at night in the dark or, or um, like murders that were happening in the woods and just all of that kind of stuff. And um, I, I can't remember what I said uh, to her now, but um, you know, I kind of, after a while I was like, this is really like not cool of a pacer to be out here <laughs> um, telling these, you know, like horrific stories in the night while um, there's people running around out here, possibly scared trying to get through their race. And so um, I said something and she laughed it off and she kept uh, going on with the, with the stories of um, murders she knew about um, in various small parks and things. And I was like, I got to get out of here. So I picked up the pace and continued on. And not too long after that, um, I started running uh, with a woman named Jill. And Jill and I pretty much stuck together through most of the night. It wasn't until the end of the night. Um, and the trail was pretty technical about starting at about maybe like 3 a.m. or so. And, uh, and so that started to wear on my ankles, especially all the rocks. And there was like holes in the trail <laughs> that you could lose your whole foot in. And um, yeah, it was, it was really rough. And there was a manzanita brush that would cover the trail that you just had to push through. So you couldn't use your poles to help balance you either in a lot of the sections. And so eventually um, after it, the sky started to lighten in the distance. Um, I told Jill, like, I just, my ankles really hurt. I gotta, I gotta, you know, be careful um, on this section. I was like, go, go ahead if you gotta go and I'll see you if I see you. And so she, she did decide to go on, um, keep the same pace. And I slowed down a little bit um, for that section. And that was the only section where I was really like running through the dark alone. Um, and I want to say, I can't remember how many miles that was from the aid station, um, the next aid station where we came in um, and there was crew at that station after the night. So all I, all I could do is just, you know, keep one front, foot in front of the other and just like think of, Ashley being at the next aid station and just to, you know, to get to her. So um, I think it was a really nice thing that I had a crew member that was my best friend. So I 
you know, I looked forward to that, you know, really close interaction. We've been friends for a really, really long time and we've been through a lot together. So um, in looking forward to the cruise stations, it wasn't just like looking forward to like a quick chat or fuel or, <laughs> um, you know, something like that. It was like, it was looking forward to a hug, you know? Right. I think I, that's, you know, even without that, connection to running or being a runner i think that's that's an important thing like someone that just knows you is can yeah. be so helpful yeah and you you mentioned that she kind of helped you keep on going you know everybody and definitely in the hundreds seems to come to these points of like i can't do this anymore <laughs> So uh, what was your, your low point and how did she help you out through that? Yeah, I guess that pain cave that everybody talks about is where <laughs> I was um, coming into that aid station around around 7 a.m. Um, maybe it was a little bit before 7 that I came in. Um, I can't quite remember what time I came in, but um, it's just really really getting tired at that point being up all night and through the day before but but yeah I came in and um I just couldn't even say anything at first because I was I I had been in pain um like mentally and physically for so many miles at that point um at least the last you know 10 miles or so um but probably, you know, longer than that. Like then the wee hours of the night in the morning are just really kind of foggy. All I remember is like just feeling like I couldn't do it anymore and I didn't want to do it anymore and just tired of um, of the manzanita brush and the rocks. And um, I was really surprised at uh, mile 80 or so when that um, – race photographer took those photos I was surprised that I didn't look like really angry in them (laughs) or like like I was about to cry because I had felt like I'm either I'm like I'm I'm gonna have like angry tears like in these photos or something (laughs) but but um that's how I felt coming into the, the aid station too just like really upset with how um how the the trail was feeling at that point and, um, and just not feeling like I could push myself the way that I had always been able to. I finally felt like maybe I had found the pain cave that everybody talks about and I found that point where you, you somehow have to push past it, um, all on your own and nobody can really help you do that. Um, if you can't, like find it within yourself, um, too. Um, but, um, yeah, a funny thing (laughs) happened with Ashley when I, when I came in, you know, I just, I knew I was going to start crying and, uh, and I didn't want to. Um, and, uh, she's like, how are you doing? And I was like, not okay. (laughs) That's all I could say. And she's like, what do you need? Like, what can I do? And um, I was like, I just need to sit in the car. And so I like climbed in the 
the front seat and, you know, I just let myself cry a little bit. Um, and then she handed me a banana and I asked where my cold brew was that I had started the race with, um, cause I didn't drink at all. And she got me that and, uh, a cold brew and a banana. Um, those are actually really good together. <laughs> and I started to feel a little bit better once I had a little caffeine and, um, the banana. And then, um, uh, I told Ashley, I was like, I don't want to go back out. Um, and, uh, and Ashley and I had been joking in the car ride about how, as we were getting older, our hearing was getting worse. And it turns out that Ashley did not hear me when I said, I don't want to go back out. And that was my lowest point was like uttering those words out loud that I didn't want to go back out. And then, um, and I know like my, my voice was like breaking when I said it. It was like really hard for me to admit because um, I've never had a DNF um, in any race ever. And um, and being at mile 85 and feeling like I really didn't want to go run the last 15 uh, was horrible to admit out loud um even though i'd been running through my head for quite a few miles and um ashley responded with uh okay what do you want in your pack <laughs> and i was like okay uh i guess you know quitting is not an option ashley's not gonna let me <laughs> and it turns out she literally just did not hear me um so that was a really funny story for us to realize afterwards. I thought she was just, you know, telling me like quitting's not an option and you're going back out there. And so I told her what I wanted in my pack and then swapped out my uh, socks and I put on um, some compression socks, compression toe socks. Uh, and I think that that helped so much with my ankles and my left foot flexor at that point just didn't really want to lift my foot anymore. And so that was the hardest thing I was going through physically. Um, it's like a weird feeling and also really painful that your hip, your foot flexor doesn't want to lift your, your foot up, um, and so that started to make my gait be a little off. And because my gait was a little off, that made other things start hurting that I hadn't had hurt um, in my, my training at all. And so, um, yeah, that's the pain that I was going through. And um, the compression socks helped a lot. And Ashley... Uh, ignoring that I didn't want to go back out helped a lot. And then she asked me if I wanted to lay down in the van that I had a good hour before the cutoff. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll lay down. So I was just shivering really, really, really cold. Um, and it was just from being still mostly. And so I wrapped myself up in this big down blanket in the back and I laid there for about 20 minutes and I kept looking at my watch and the time ticking by and I was like, no, I need to go. Like, I, I can't, I can't like waste my cushion of time in case anything comes up. And so I told Ashley, I was like, okay, I want to leave by 8 a.m. 
And um, I think I spent about 50 minutes there total at that aid station and 20 of it laying down and the rest was like bathroom and fueling and crying <laughs> and um, mustering up the courage to push past the pain and, and get back out there. And so, uh, yeah, I told Ashley, I want to leave by eight. I could have stayed there until nine, uh, technically. Um, so we got me all set back up and, um, I didn't even bother changing out anything besides my socks. And I took off, um, a puffer vest that I had used through the night and, uh, headed back out. And, um, I wasn't going to see Ashley again, um, until the last aid station before the finish. So I headed out knowing I had like, you know, another half day basically, um, before I would see Ashley again, if, if I remember right. Right. Wow. <laughs> well, it sounds yeah. like she gave you the, the right advice at the right <laughs> time inadvertently, which is still great. Um, but I do want to jump ahead cause you, 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 you got up, you got out of there, you, you set that time and you went and then you get to the finish line and your, your story about the finish line is, is, is pretty amazing. So I, I want to make sure we get a chance for you to really talk about coming into that finish line. Yeah. So, um, so the last aid station I came through and on my plan, I had, you know, refueling and rehydrating and all this kind of stuff. And I came in and, um, I was having a real hard time, you know, still with my foot flexor and just everything hurt really bad. And so when I came through that last aid station, I would, I handed off my hat, um, to Ashley and I said, fill it with ice. Cause I was starting to actually overheat. It was, I think it was like 90 that day, um, at that point. And, um, and there was no heat training that could prepare you for being overheated after you've already run, um, you know, 90 miles, 94 miles at that point or something. I had six miles left to go. And, um, and then I, I told Ashley to just fill my hydration with whatever they had at the aid station. I knew it was gnarly and I hadn't tried it yet, but, um, I just needed a different flavor. Um, and so, uh, she did that. I helped you know, back on the trail. Um, and she had told me that my, my dad and my stepmom had arrived and that they would be with her at the finish, uh, to see me. So that was really motivating. I hadn't seen my dad since, um, before the pandemic started. Um, last time I was up, I, I had blown up there to see my grandpa. Um, and, uh, so it had been at least, I, I want to say it was like four years since I had seen my dad. And so I was really excited that my dad would be at the finish. And my dad um, was a big runner in my life when I was growing up. He and my oldest brother would run together. And we, we had this um, half marathon loop we would do a lot of the time. And my dad um, would, I would be on a bike 
uh, I learned how to bike just specifically so I could go with him when he was running. And I remember being six and we would get to big hills and he would run next to me and with his hand on my back and he would push me on my bike up the big hills that I wasn't strong enough to make it up while he was running with me. So um, my dad was a big runner in my life and my grandpa as well. Um, but uh, so I just really wanted, I was really happy that my dad was going to be there at the finish of this really big accomplishment for me. And so that was super motivating and I headed out and within a mile, I followed a group of people that went down this country road and it was kind of a weird turn, but, you know, I saw, you know, a group of like six people ahead of me. So I thought that was fine. I realized pretty quickly that I didn't see them around anymore and um, realized I didn't see any markers anymore and that I was off course. I quickly text Ashley and I was like, I can't get the map to pull up. Like I was in a panic because at that point I didn't know how far off I was on time and I didn't know what my cushion was, but I knew I was coming up against it with how slow my pace had gotten. And so I sent Ashley this panic text and um, I know that she, you know, she's not like going to know how to pull up the race map via uh, GPX or GXP file and find the right, you know, um, application for me to load it on and find out where I'm at. So um, I, I, you know, quick, quick decision. Okay, just backtrack. Um, like if you're going to finish this in time, you just got to just, you just got to act. And so I started backtracking down the road and then I saw where the turn um, changed and I could see these, uh, this, these runners going by and I spotted uh, these three guys that I had been uh, leapfrogging with um, at the beginning of our uh, race and I saw them and I just like popped out behind them and I was like, Hey guys. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, Hey. <laughs> um, and I was like, I got lost. So great. So great to see you. <laughs> and uh, so we ran together. They had a pacer with them and, um, and one of um, them was also hallucinating. And so it was nice to know that I wasn't the only one at that point, though they had gotten a lot better for me. Um, but uh, um, yeah, so stuck with them um, for the last of the race pretty much. And about two miles from the finish, uh, well, about three miles from the finish, these guys started pulling ahead. I just couldn't like muster um, the pace that, I had been shooting for and I knew that they were pushing to come in at what were they I think they were shooting for noon um which was a which was an okay cushion so I wanted to at least keep them in my sights just to know that I would make it on time and so I was trying really hard with my my shuffle run that I had developed with my my foot flexor not wanting to work um and so they were up this hill a little ways and I see this like guy walking past them swinging his arms and uh, he's wearing suspenders. And I was like, 
dad, is that you? <laughs> and uh, my, my dad's like, well, Ashley said you got lost. So I said I was going to go find you. And, uh, and um, he had checked in with uh, the race if he could go and find me. And um, so he turned around and he speed walked ahead of me, which was as fast as my run was at that point. And uh, he, he caught us up to the guys that I had been running with. We, we ran with them for the, um, well, my dad walked and I ran with them <laughs> um, for the remainder of the miles. And it was just a funny experience because, you know, my dad's telling dad jokes and he's, uh, started telling the pacer, their pacer, all about how he had had uh, open heart surgery um, the year before, and um, and you know his how his pacer made it back to his house like faster than he did um, his heart pacer, and um, and so uh, yeah, at one point I was like, Dad, are you telling a dad joke? And they're all cracking up. Um, so. Um, it was a really great distraction for the last two miles, that's for sure, and a, and a real high note to get to see my dad after years um, and uh, finish out the race with him. And I said to him, I was like, Dad, I don't think you're allowed to do this. Um, you know, you're not, you're not an official pacer. And I was like, I don't really care at this point, though. And he was like, no, no, we asked. Like, I, I asked them and they said it was okay. So that was a relief that I wouldn't be, like, disqualified when I came with my dad in his jeans and suspenders. <laughs> but um, we got almost to the finish. And uh, those three guys that we had been running with, my dad, he was really trying everything to uh, – to motivate me and he was like why don't you pass these guys and show them you know show them you know just how like how I don't know what he said how fast you can be or, or something like that and I just laughed at him but then he said if you you've got seven minutes if you want to make the next like stay under like the half an hour mark and I was like okay we can do that like, let's do that, Dad. Seven minutes. Like, I could see the finish, you know, um, ahead of, like, over a road and around, you know, some buildings on a track. And and so we got all the way over there to the parking lot. And then you had to uh, run down the sidewalk around some tennis courts or something like that. Um, and then... Uh, so we, we continued on that dirt track that was um, headed toward the sidewalk. And the three guys that we were running with, they were like, hey, this is your moment. Why don't you two go ahead, like, you know, go run in together. You haven't seen each other in so long. Um, we'll hang back. And um, that's amazing. that was like, yeah, I know. So special. They were willing to like hold back on their finish time to let me and my dad have, you know, our moment together coming in um, for my first hundred mile race. And uh, my dad is still chatting with these guys and I like had taken off, you know, and, uh, and um, so I look back and I was like, 
dad, come on, we gotta go. <laughs> so he, he runs a little faster. He's like running at this point, um, to catch up with me. And, um, so he catches up, we round the corner where the tennis courts were. And then I see the, the track there and there's the, this big, you know, um, blown up balloon arch that you always go under at the end of races. Right. And so in my mind, I thought that was the finish. <laughs> and so we run under that and then I'm like, oh, there's a whole track here. And they're like, you have to run around the track. And, oh. <laughs> and so my dad and I start running around the track and he turns to me and he's like, I don't know if I can keep up this pace the, the whole way around. And um, you know, he had just been telling the guys about his open heart surgery that happened during the pandemic. And, um, and I was like, I immediately was concerned, you know, right. it didn't matter, you know, finishing whatever my time was, as long as my dad was, you know, feeling okay. So I was like, dad, it doesn't matter if you cut the track, like, you know, I'll, I'll do the whole <laughs> cut across, meet me on the other side. And so he, he, he was like, I could see the wheels turning. Like he didn't like, you know, saving face, you know, cutting across and having and not running the whole thing with me. And I was like, dad, just go like, I'll catch up to you. And so he's like, okay, okay. And so he cuts across, he like walked across the field and met me on the backside. And I kind of slowed down a little bit because I just wanted to give him time to catch his breath. And so I ran around the backside of the track, um, caught up to him on the other side on the last corner. And then um, we just slow jogged in together and we got towards the finish and he was like, you have to go that way. So, <laughs> so I ran under the, the actual finish arch. Um, <laughs> Again. Much smaller, yeah, <laughs> by, by myself. Um, and that was that. And then immediately upon finishing, um, you know, everybody that was there came over and gave me hugs and congrats. And um, I was like, I got to lay down before I throw <laughs> up. <laughs> like the nausea just like hit me and it, it didn't go away for a while. Wow. That is that is an amazing finish. That's an amazing story of the finish. Like to have your dad there, not seen him for so long after, mm -hmm. you know, again, having surgery, like you know, even dealing with all that nausea and everything, like that must have been such an amazing feeling. Yeah. And, you know, um, growing up with my dad being a runner and me and him, me always accompanying him on runs in the summers and to have him next to me jogging in with me to my finish on a big, big race. And he has never come to any of my races before since we lived so far apart. And so, yeah, that was, I was pretty epic to ha see my dad like running through the woods to come find me <laughs> and for him to pace me two miles back to the finish and, and be able to run in with me. It's really cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And you, you posted some videos on your Instagram of that and, and the finish and stuff. And so seeing that was, was pretty awesome from, from that outside perspective as well. <laughs> Yeah. And it was nice to have him there also, um, just to help me get up <laughs> and stay steady for the next hour, a few hours when, um, we were visiting afterwards, they had brought a camper down and 
they all wanted me to go rest and, you know, sit in the camper afterwards. And I wanted to wait. We, I waited until the last um, person uh, came through uh, before we did that. But yeah, I had to have some help, like even getting around or stepping up into the camper any of that stuff. And it's amazing. Like, you know, you just ran 80, uh, you just ran a hundred miles and then all of a sudden you, you can't walk two steps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your body's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and I was going to say that because it is, it's always so fascinating. Like you're able to keep yourself going for whatever that distance is. And then yeah. afterward, it's just like, I have nothing left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so many people around us were like, you know, on the ground, not able to move also. And tons of people were just throwing up as soon as they came <laughs> in. It was, <laughs> it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> My dad well, was talking to some guy sitting next to us um, on the picnic tables after, and they were trying to get me a little bit of nutrients in, right. um, and hydration to keep that going. And um, the guy next to him had to take breaks every few sentences to throw up (laughs) it was was its own uh different kind of finish after that race than uh most of the shorter races that i've been right well and, and even your post like talking about how after all of that you know 100 miles and and that like your feet actually came through in in pretty good condition yeah, I was really surprised. I did have a little bit of rubbing on the inside of my heel. Um, and then my heels are kind of bruised and my feet were swollen. But yeah. um, that was about it. Like, I had way more pain for my um, my uh, first ultra, my 50K the year before, I want to say, than this one. I mean, I was sore everywhere <laughs> for a couple days and it was really hard to to get moving. But during, I don't, I don't know. It was just different. There wasn't as much of that roaming pain feeling that I had had, um, in my first ultra, it was like distinctly my, um, foot flexor on that left side. And then my hamstring left hamstring hurt a bit after. And I've noticed since, um, in recovery that like, if I do too much, it still starts to feel kind of twingy. Right. <laughs> that's it. It's it pretty amazing. My feet did want to continue to swell in the, the days afterward as well. Like if I did too much walking around or anything like that. Um, right. So, you know, my bestie registered nurse was like, that's it. Get like, go lay <laughs> down, put your feet up, elevate them. Um, we had a, a couple hour drive uh, back over the mountain to where I was going to fly out. And uh, we actually stopped and uh, I put my, I put my, my feet in an ice cold river for a good 10 minutes. Ooh, nice. it hurt, but uh, <laughs> it took down the swelling right away. It's pretty amazing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, like you talked about, you know, it's, it's been a little while since um, what's, do you have anything coming up next? Or are you, you just still basking in recovery and, and what you accomplished? Yeah. Um, I immediately started, you know, peeking to see what was on the horizon, <laughs> what other races there were. 
And I thought really hard about signing up for a race in uh, Utah um, at uh, a place that's just, I just really love camping there and I know how beautiful it is. Um, but I didn't do it. I didn't pull the trigger. I've been, um, I've been going for, uh, pretty much one short run on the weekends, every weekend since like three miles, just whatever feels fun or feels good for that day. And then hot yoga, biking here and there, but really just taking it super duper easy. Good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure your body definitely thanks you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they say you're supposed to take as many days rest as you um, did miles. So that's a hundred days rest from training. Um, it, of course it was too much for me and I, you know, went for a run two weeks later, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, no, no training for anything yet, but I have quite a few um, of races on my mind for, uh, January, February, March, like um, an earlier season um, than I got started with last year, and awesome. just trying trying some new new um, new races that I hadn't tried before. Cool. Well, hopefully that'll be fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's a great spot to to wrap up. And you know, so I just have one more question for you. The same thing I ask everybody, and that's you know, what are you listening to to get you out there, get you going, either for you know, recovery run or bike ride or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I have a few playlists that I really like listening to that are all like kind of higher tempo. Um, everything from like, uh, some indie music to like French swing music. Um, (laughs) really fun stuff. Uh, Sylvan Esso is, is one of my faves. Um, just, just a great beat to run to super happy music. I started listening to this song this summer um, called Sunburn, and it's like been stuck in my head because um, there's a bike bell in it. And the first <laughs> time or two it came on my station, I looked around for the bike that was around <laughs> me. And so I don't know why, but just that like humorous moment, like training this summer, like that song. Um, really reminds me of training for this hundred and it's just really fun makes me laugh makes me smile so that's awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) you'll have to listen to it so you can hear the bike bell i'm talking about (laughs) i know i'm gonna i was actually i just wrote a little note down real quick sunburn so um that's awesome so thank you again for your time that is a hundred miles is so amazing it's quite an accomplishment and then everything else around it. Like that's so awesome. So thank you for sharing that with me, with everybody who's listening. And, you know, is there anything else you would like to say before I let you go? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's still sinking in that I even accomplished that just last night I was talking with my spouse and I was like, how many miles is it to Santa Fe? I ran that. How many more is it to Española? Because we drive up to Taos a lot. And um, and Renee was like, you basically ran from here to the canyon that you hit before you go to Taos. And I was like, no way. <laughs> like, I did not. You know, you still just, even after you accomplish something like this, it takes time to wrap your head around that you did it. 
and um, you absolutely should revel in it. Anybody, you know, whether it's like your first half marathon, you know, marathon, it doesn't matter the distance, like take the time, enjoy it, revel in it, um, pat yourself on the back for weeks, months, you know? Exactly. Um, Yeah, just find joy and uh, be proud of your accomplishments. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.